Before, before we have any other questions, I want to respond to one thing that Phil said. Okay. Um, I, I want to reiterate the fact that there is a great deal of agreement between us. And um, the, the only place that I see disagreement, and, and it's, a, it's a big, big area in reality, but uh, it, really, it really has to do with this. Can there be a, a fulfillment now of one kind and a fulfillment in the future of another kind which, which seems to go backwards instead of going forwards? It seems to me that that is the big problem in this whole discussion between us in terms of our, our differences. Um, so I think perhaps the, since that seems to be the only area, a big one, but that, that is... I? Well, that's that's a good question, Phil. That's a good question. Uh, we I think we ought to discuss that. That is my presupposition. Yes, um, it is my presupposition that typology always goes from type to anatype, and that to go back to Israel, natural, nas national, is to go back to the type. Now, even, even if you don't go back to animal sacrifices and temple, Levitical priesthood and all the rest, which it seems to me, taken literally, has to involve going back to that. But even if you don't go back to that, then you still have to go back to Israel, which to me seems to be a step down rather than a step up. But that well, you got to come up in the front. No talking in the back. <laughs> uh, I thought my voice was strong enough. <laughs> I have a problem with uh, Ezekiel 40-48. Uh, but there are many other passages in the Word of God that uh, deal with Israel's reformation and uh, Israel's return uh, in the Old Testament. And uh, I don't know what to, I'll be honest with you. When I read Romans 11, as our brother uh, Fred gave us yesterday morning, I see the, a future for Israel. And I thought you answered your, the question you're raising this morning when you were in Hebrews 10. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things uh, leaves open uh, the type to the antitype. Uh, while we find all things in Christ for the purpose of God is the glorification of his son and through the glorification of his son all those that are in his son in Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in bringing national Israel in. Uh, uh, just because we don't see it now doesn't mean that it can't be done. Yes, and I, I agree with that. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. I know, but see, that the, doesn't you know, mean the, that I don't problems, have problems. One of the problems we seem to be having here is we're finding too little to argue about. That's right. You know, that's... <laughs> um, let me... I'm, I'm sorry. The, the, point, the point has to do, I think, with if you start with Israel as a nation in a natural sense, how much of necessity has to go along with that? Does the land promise go along with that? Does the priesthood go along with that? 
Does the Sabbath go along with that? Or when you come to the fulfillment, as you've talked about, if you go back to Israel, can you go back to Israel? If the, if the church is the true Israel of God, then you would be retrogressing. Mm -hmm. so, the, so the question revolves around, is Israel fulfilled and her promises fulfilled in the church? Are, are those promises yet unfulfilled? And is that a retrogression back if the New Testament is a fulfillment of it in any sense? Am I, if, is that yes, what I you're think getting that, at? That's exactly yeah. what I'm getting. And that's what hasn't been addressed. And, and, and it seems to me that if, if there is a, a, a re restoration of ethnic Israelites, if you will, you, you wish, seem to be wishing to call them national Israelites, and, and I think the problem that we have there is that the same word that is translated nation is translated people. So it's difficult for us to make a, a clear distinction there, except from the for the fact that the Old Covenant established Israel as a nation, and I think we can all agree with that. Now, if the Old Covenant has been done away, and the New Covenant has not yet been ratified with Israel, then Israel is living without a covenant at this point. They are, they are totally without a covenant if they exist. They are not the covenant people of God. You follow that? Do you follow that, John? Okay. I want to make sure that somebody on my side can at least follow that. <laughs> They're, they're living without a covenant. They're, they're not the covenant people of God at this point because the old is finished, the new has not yet been ratified for them or, or put into effect for them. The natural branches have been yeah. cut off. From yeah, stand, up to the mic. stand up to the mic. Oh, speak. they can hear me. Th the natural not, branches not have been cut off. You're on video and you're on audio, so that's why. Not, not for the people here. Oh, people. I see. For the I generations see. to come. I'll turn my best <laughs> side. <laughs> uh, the question is, what covenant is Israel nationally under now? That's the question. I don't know of Israel to be under a covenant now, except the elect of Israel are in the church, and the church is under the new covenant. Mm -hmm. And see, that's, that's just my point. Uh, I know it's your point. It's mine too. <laughs> The question I was going to state is uh, along the lines that you're saying, if Jesus Christ is ascended and is now on the throne of David and is sovereign over the new covenant, if ethnic physical descendants of Abraham, perhaps or perhaps not reunited as a nation, if they should believe in Jesus Christ and come under the new covenant, and if that happens to them in fulfillment of Romans 9 through 11, would not their then coming under the new covenant be moving forward still and not be moving backward? Yes, yes, it would. And yet, in doing that, they would become part of the church. Yeah, definitely. And, and part of the Israel of God in that sense. And I, I honestly think that Romans 11 demands that all of the elect of God within Israel come to faith in Christ and in fact become part of the church. The only question that I had was will that happen gradually or is it going to happen um, all at once? And I'm not altogether sure I know the answer to that. In carrying through what you said, if the national 
Jew comes to faith in Christ today, he comes under the new covenant. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay. If for him to inherit the land in a physical sense, and you have to go back to the old covenant to get him to inherit that, then are you not going backwards? Or else you have to prove from the new covenant mm -hmm. that that land is reaffirmed. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me what you're stating is the land promise is not reaffirmed under the new covenant, that you must go back to the old, and if the old is done away, then the Jew is without a covenant today. Mm -hmm. And the only covenant he has to look forward to is the coming to Christ. So if he's going to get the land, he has to go back and claim it under the old covenant. Yes. Is that what you're saying? That's right. That's right. Now, I want you all to remember that yesterday I came to the front to ask Fred a question. I'm going to be nice. And I sat, the, I sat over there and I said, no, Fred's a great guy. I'm going to leave him alone. And I'm not going <laughs> to... I, I bet he is. Good. All right. Welcome. Welcome, Fred. Not likely. Um, so many things. One, I'm glad it was. So little time. I'm glad you have shaped it down to some couple of these questions. One, the matter of, is there a covenant that still belongs to Israel, and if so, which? Romans 9 verses 2 and 3 says that to Israel, pertaining to the flesh, still belong the covenants. You or I would not want to say it's the old covenant. Which covenants are left? The end of Paul's argument in Romans chapter 11. Paul cites samplings from the Abrahamic, the Davidic, and the New Covenants. You keep talking about presuppositions. Where am I making a presupposition in saying that where Paul cites these covenants and specifically says they belong to them, I agree. What am I missing that says they don't belong to them? Okay, what, what I'm saying is that in these areas in which Paul says they had this or they have this, they have that, they have something mm -hmm. else, what, what he is saying is in, in promise... When the promise is made, it is made in the context of natural, national Israel, in fact. Mm -hmm. These covenants are made to Abraham. They are made to Abraham's sons and down the line. Uh, they have the glory. In what sense do they have the glory? In the same sense that we, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory as, of, as, as by the Lord the Spirit? No, I don't think so. That's a new covenant blessing, which Israel does not have. To them pertains the adoption. Yes, they are the sons of God, but they're not the sons of God in the same sense that Granted, we are the sons of God. Granted, but Paul's whole argument is these covenants still belong to them, and so they will enjoy their attending blessings. Wait a minute. Take now, them one at a time. Take I am. Take the blessing one at a time. Take the adoption. In what sense does national Israel have any kind of adoption today? Nothing. They are Nothing. enemies according to the gospel. Okay, so then, then that doesn't belong to them now. Yes, it does. Paul's <laughs> argument is they still can hang on to this hope. Because they, no, John, because, no, because they are not enjoying the blessings today does not mean the covenants are not theirs. They still okay. belong to them. Now, you're forcing me into a no. false dilemma that doesn't work. No, because the adoption was the adoption as a nation among other nations. Exactly. Were they as a nation among other nations cut off? Yes, they were. Okay. Let's look at the next one. Who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law. 
Does the law still belong to them? Is that law still in force? You're pushing me over here. No, I'm not trying to. I, I didn't mean the weight of your too. argument either. I... Is, the, is the law that was given to them still in force and still their Of course home? not. Of course okay. not. Now the next one. And the service of God. That's the tabernacle. That's the, all of the, the priestly services. Does that still enforce? John, you're... None of those things are enforced. Okay, you finish, then I will. Okay, now, God loved Israel, and every single Israelite in the nation was loved by God. That is not the same as the everlasting love of election to us. Granted. They were redeemed. That's not the same as our redemption in Christ. They were called. They were chosen were all of those things totally different than what we have, and is the aspect that they had it finished because it is fulfilled in something greater? And when you say all of these things still belong to them, none of those things belong to them because those things are fulfilled. Go ahead. John, come back up here. A last friendly shot. <laughs> There's an old saying in debate, uh, he who frames the question wins the argument. One of the advantages of being the uh, guy in charge of the conference is you can uh, shape all the questions and throw out any of the others. You're shaping the question, now, insisting that these passages teach that all of these things still pertain to Israel. And that's what I'd like to finish. Okay, you finish that. When Paul says these belong to them, present tense, not past tense. Present tense. These things belong to them. And when at the end of the argument, after arguing over and over again repeatedly for a great ingathering of some kind among Israel, forget the land argument right now. You can limit it if you like for the sake of argument to the gospel advance. That's fine. If after arguing over and over that Israel will be blessed, and at the culmination of that argument, cites those old covenants. I'm saying the covenants still belong to them, just like he said. What am I missing? What is my presupposition? Let me answer. The answer is that you're, you're misusing these texts. He is asking this question, who are Israelites? Well, to whom did these things pertain? To whom... To whom did they look forward to? Okay. Then he says in verse 6, not as though the word of God had taken none effect. Are you telling me that all of these promises to this people who had these covenants, had these promises, you mean this is all none effect? And then you're telling me that Paul's argument is, no, they're not in none effect. They're still in existence, and they're still to these same people. And we're saying that Paul is saying they are none effect because they are fulfilled in Christ. That's not what Paul's saying. That is, is what Paul's saying. It is what Paul is saying in verse, verse 6 of chapter 9 when he says, For exactly. they, they are just follow. Okay, go ahead. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. And again, as, as I said earlier, I agree with we, your interpretation. We're, we're in agreement there. We're in agreement and so, there. And so what he's really saying is what, what we have to understand is that these promises, these covenants, the, the, the intent of the covenant was not to all the natural seed, and we agree on that. Mm -hmm. But the intent of these, these covenants that, that natural, national Israel has or had, mm -hmm. okay, 
the intent of that is that, that the real Israel, the true Israel within that nation We're in agreement. will, will the certainly be saved. The, the difference comes down to what you said a few minutes ago. Is Paul talking about the elect remnant within Israel? Or is he talking about that and a wider ingathering in the end? Now, and I, I have, have to say I don't know. Well, what, what I would still like to have done, and I, and I really don't mean this to be, to be an, an offensive challenge like that, I would like to have the exegesis of yesterday challenged on that point because I think that is so clearly Paul's argument that in the end, not the remnant, but all Israel will be saved. Paul is not talking about a trickle-down theory through the church age. He's talking about a remnant now as a sample of then. He's talking about rejection now, fullness then. Unbelief now, acceptance then. Well, he, he may be, Fred. You know, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Well, then if he is... Then there's but no the, more. The, well, the question, the question though, is what, what, what will be the nature of that restoration? How is it going to come about? If they continue not in unbelief, if they continue no, not in unbelief, they will be in faith. It's precisely Paul, Paul's hope, his argument. I'm sorry. See, be in faith. Yes. It will never be apart from faith. We and agree I think with that. that. That's clearly the, the answer I, to the question. Definitely. It's it's going to happen when they come to faith. Yes. It isn't that Paul. Yes. What is our, what Paul is arguing that, at the that, end of it seems to me 11. is the restoration. It is when they come to faith, whether it's yeah. whether it's gradually or whether it's all at once. Well, then we I, agree. Again, I don't know. Then we agree. But I'm saying so that yes, be, it has to be if they is as individuals believe in Jesus Christ. It sounds to me like you're saying that that mm -hmm. they has to be the whole nation on the basis of the national prism. I'm saying it's the Israel as a whole. That's what Paul is saying. All Israel will be saved. But it will be it Give will be individuals coming. Listen. Listen, it will be individuals coming individually. It may be all of them. That's fine. It may be all of them, but they will come to faith individually through, through the preaching of the gospel, not through being zapped from above. Come on over here. Over here. Oh. Got to be over here. All right, I had another question, but... but <laughs> this one is pressing. We'll let you ask both of them. Right? Sure. The question there in 15 is not how they will be saved. We all agree with that. Okay? There's only one way of salvation. Mm -hmm. Amen. The question is, who is the they? And what constitutes the they? And, and, and my the answer, answer is this. Who was rejected? My, my answer is, and, and I'm not defending a position okay. here. I'm just telling you what I think the text says. Right. I agree with what Fred said. I think it's talking about elect Israel within the nation. That's not what Fred's saying. Well, it is. Fred, it is not, what Fred's saying. Fred? He's not talking Are you about, about non-elect Israelites ultimately getting saved, is he? No, but that's not the point of verse So he's 15. talking about the elect within the, the nation. It may be all of them. The point of verse 15 is they rejected and that created a riches. Who's the they? The nation rejected their Messiah and that created a riches for us. Okay, but here, here's Wait a minute. Well, okay. The other half of the verse then, and this is the point, then what will their acceptance be? Yes, but they, there is nobody that will come to God that's not elect. Well, that's what I'm saying. They are the elect. They are the elect. elect. Nobody argues that. Nobody okay, argues so that. We're, we agree. But the they, no, we don't agree because the they, <laughs> who is the they? The they is not an individual elect person. The they is a nation. <laughs> but, what, but what is a nation, of what is a nation made up? Is it not made up of individual sinners who need to come to faith in Christ? 
that's all. And that's, must they not? Must they not come to faith in Christ? If that's if. What about <laughs> all the way through Romans 11? It does not talk about the branch. It talks about branch as period. It's talking about individuals. No. It is not talking. Not branches, not in verse 15. He's making a point. He's making a point. In, individuals did not reject Christ in that verse. They rejected him. By, it's a plural. By doing away with the covenant, the nation was done away with. That's a different point. No, it's not. If you're going to get them back in I'm, I'm talking, under that covenant, <laughs> then, then you have to somehow reestablish that covenant. No, I don't have to reestablish anything. What I'm saying is this. What does verse 15 say? It says that they rejected Messiah and they killed him and that brought in the riches for us. Is that right? All right, let me ask you this. Oh, wait a minute, let me finish okay. the okay. point. You get the nation necessarily in that text. Yes, you do because of the latter half. Well, let me let then me ask you. Will, let me ask you this, will, Lloyd. Will will, will the very ones things? will the very ones who rejected him accept him? Will they come to faith in him? The very ones? No, that's not, not what the who text he's is. About. Well, that's my point. It, right. It's not who he's talking. He's not saying these same Israelites who rejected him are going to be the ones who will ultimately come to faith. That's right. So he's talking nation, but he, isn't he? Yes. No, he's, he's talking a, a he's nation talking, of people. <laughs> call it nation, call it people, call it what you wish. We're talking about ethnic Israelites. We're talking about ethnic Israelites. We're saying that, yes, they will, all of the elect among them, will come to faith in Christ. No, but you're, you're confusing the point there. We're not talking about... Who, will, who are elect and will come. We're talking first about, let's establish, who rejected him? Ethnic Israelites rejected him. Exactly. Now leave it there. That's who he's talking about. Okay. And he turns it around and says, what will their fullness be? What will their receiving be? It's the, that group of people... If that, if that group of people rejected him and it caused riches for the Gentiles, what will their acceptance create? Same group. Same group. It's just simple okay. exegesis. Stay up here. Don't go away. I have a question, though. Okay. Ask your question. But don't <laughs> that go wasn't away, a question? Because we're going to jump off another thing. Go ahead. I, I, think, I think we're talking about... Uh, I think this is. I think, the, I think, I think we're talking biblical. about you Jews are going to have to get out of town, and, and we're talking past each other because I'm not sure I understand what you're saying, and I want to understand Here's what you're question. saying. Why is it there has to have an antecedent? What is the antecedent of there? And the antecedent is in 11:1. Okay, same. As he cast off his people. And, and I think the answer the answer to what Paul is saying there in 11:1 is no, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew, for I also am an Israelite. Right. He's, he's he, not saying has has God cast off the nation. Yes, he has cast off the nation. But he no, hasn't. No, no, that's the point. But he hasn't. He has not. But he hasn't cast off his people whom he foreknew. You you had really captured the point absolutely Good. as you began in nine. Uh, so, I, so I understand the what you're saying. The people were wondering. They were wondering. Look, you have all these wonderful statements about how I'm saved as a Gentile, mm -hmm. or how I'm saved now as elect Jew. But you know, I have a problem. Um, it seems like the nation failed. God failed to fulfill the promises to Israel. And the answer all the way through is, up to 12, up to 11, is no, he has not failed. That's right. The nation will 
receive the glory that he said. The, the Israel within the nation no. will. Wait, that's where we differ, of course. Wait, 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 See, that's wait, wait. why, that's why okay, I have then, said. Couple what you're saying. In 11.1, 1, hath God cast away his people? And the answer is no. Yes, Obviously. but you and I think for different okay. reasons it's and, no. And you're saying that that has to refer to the nation. Because the context establishes nation. This is what the brother means by antecedent. No, the nation argument was settled in 9, chapter 4 and 5, that all Israel is not Israel. No, that's your interpretation. It was not to the nation. He was, no. There was never a blessing promised that is spiritual to any Israelite or anybody else apart from repentance and faith. I agree with that 100%. But then, but then you want Ro Romans 11 to be to the whole nation, irrespective of whether they're regenerate or not. You're making that No, national. that's not true. Well, see, Paul, I'm Paul has defined they... his terms very carefully in, in the very beginning of this, this three-chapter Wait, argument. Let's make one thing very clear. Okay. The, the national conversion of this people is the conversion of the elect Jews Yes. From eternity past, yes. there is this distinction, however, that they are an elect who comprise a particular nation for one reason, because they are going to be used of God to show his glory to the world because they profaned it before. They didn't profane it, as I tried to show in Ezekiel 36, as some unknown entity that nobody could see. They, they profaned it as God's people with his name on them. He's going to turn that all around and, and see as what his name is on the Israelites. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and as a people, they're going to stand before the world, and this time they're going to glory in, in their Savior, and they're going to glorify the name of God, and the whole world will know Yahweh is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you see what and I that's was, a simple point. What I was trying to say this morning was that, yes, it is in the very context of natural, national Israel that God is glorified in the true Israelite, the Lord Jesus Christ, the consummate Israelite. The nations who, will never be able to discern that point. They don't know who the... The, the nations don't, they will not be able to look and say, that's an elect from Israel. Romans, There's an elect from Israel. Yes, but Romans, Romans chapter 11, uh, pardon me, Romans chapter 8, tells us that we are waiting. We are waiting for the adoption. We are waiting for that time that, that we will be manifest as the sons of God. And the, I watching, agree with that. the watching world will see at that point when Christ returns. And he will be glorified in Israel. But we have different... That is, that is Christ. But he will be and glorified those who are in, in him. But he will be glorified in the national Israel upon whom he had, from, from the uh, age of Abraham, affixed his name peculiarly. Back to chapter 11. I say then, hath God cast away his people? Now this is a nation, but it is a nation that will all be of the elect. So far, we're in agreement. Okay, now, <laughs> on what ground, upon what covenant, upon what promise? Abraham's promise, the promise to Abraham. And that has nothing to do with a physical nation. No, it, it does to have to do. See, this is the thing. We're, we're drawing arbitrary distinctions. I'm saying that the land promises are a part and parcel of the Abrahamic covenant that included the spiritual. It also included this fullness that we're expressing. And when it comes into the New Testament, is this land promise ever repeated? It doesn't need to be repeated because it has not been fulfilled yet. That's the argument of covenant theology. That, that, in other words, what you're saying is my whole concept of the Abrahamic covenant and what it promised to Israel is rooted 
in my literal interpretation of the Old Testament. Are you saying that's what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what you're saying. No. Well, okay. I'll, again, I'll be like Fred. I'll explain my position. Okay, then, <laughs> then, then show us in the New Testament scriptures where there is a repetition of the land promise. You've got to drop the word repetition. Not, not if this is a new covenant. Now, we'll agree that it, under the old what covenant I'm saying you have promises. Is this, We're saying we're under a new covenant. I'm, I'm and this saying, is the thing that governs us. Where are these things found in the New Testament Scripture? Where is, in, in all the preaching to the Jews, where is would, there ever an offer of hope to them of the land and their being the head of the nations in that land? I think in the end of the Gospels, when we talk about the uh, when will these things be and so forth, I think you find in that, I think uh, Brother David explained those things. I think that you do have it in Revelation 20, 21. I think you have it in Romans 11. Those are the explanations. Not a word. It's there. Okay, we better, we better stop I, off on another point here. Let's, I, I have to ask yeah. this question. And okay. It really is a question. <laughs> yes. It really is a question. You had mentioned that, um, uh, that the Lord began to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, I believe you were saying. He began then, said, oh, no, no, you don't understand. And he began from Moses and went through all the scriptures and explained to them himself. Mm -hmm. Now, my question is, honest question, um, if you could pick out one or two of those texts that you would assume he used and, and explain how that contradicts our position, <coughs> our premillennialism, how does that contradict? In other words, clarify that point that you were making, how that contradicts my position, him explaining himself, how does that preclude a, a uh, restoration of Israel as a nation. Yes, and I think the answer is it doesn't because I don't, I don't know that there would be any text in the Old Testament scriptures that would, that would really give them to understand what they understood. What, what these two on the road to Emmaus and others like them had understood. We had hoped that he would have, but obviously he hasn't. He's been dead three days. There were certain women that were early at the tomb. They said they saw him, but only, they were only women. You know, what, what, what do women understand? Uh, no, 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 brethren, uh, cistern. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying I think that was their tone. They were, it was just these women. That was in their culture. They were, these women were at the tomb, but you know how they can get up overwrought. Uh, I, I really think that was there. Where he did that. Yeah, that, that's. You. Okay. All, all I'm saying, again, for point of clarity, all I'm saying is that uh, could you come up with a text that you, you mentioned that would, the way would, would Jesus would have used to say, no, no, look here now, um, you were hoping that there would be a, a physical kingdom. Let me show you that. This shows, see, that wasn't a physical kingdom that I was bringing you to. Well, I think you could go to Genesis chapter 12 and say, you see here where, where God talks, speaks about the seed? That's, that's talking about me. Genesis 12? Genesis right. 12. Well, uh, in Galatians, me. it's verified that yes. it's a seed. Right. Um, but what about I think all the nations? Go to Isaiah Genesis 53 12 says all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him, and you would say that would just be a gospel reception by the elect through the world. Yes. Okay. All right. And what about, um, what about the, uh, in other words, I would say very specifically that they had a hope that he would restore all things and so forth because there was a land promise and that it was a literal promise. Okay. What about, it, when you say, it, does the New Testament rule out that? 
Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant, mm -hmm. as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercies promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, mm -hmm. that he would grant unto us that being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall go be called the prophet of the highest and shall go before the face of the mm -hmm. Lord to prepare his way to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Okay. Is these, are these words saying that God has fulfilled the promises that he made in Abraham? I'm saying that it says that he has redeemed them and redemption took place at the cross for all God's elect. Whether they are only individuals and never comprise a nation or whether in fact some of those elect do comprise a nation of Jews, that redemption was accomplished at the cross and that text says that. And but it, it says that they should be. There is no, nothing in that text that precludes a future restoration of Israel. Here's another point. Did disciples come back to that? Come back to that. Come back to that. We're in Luke chapter one. This is in reference to the promise made to David. It's in reference to the oath to our father Abraham. It yes. is true that Jesus does not say this means there is no land promise, but it is saying positively that this deliverance is the deliverance that was spoken of to David and to and But Abraham. you're implying that it's the fullness of no, it. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. I am not saying this proves there can't be a okay. future fulfillment. So we're in agreement with that. What I'm saying is you have to prove in the text that there is a future fulfillment or else gather some other New Testament ex exegesis that there is a fulfillment. And I would, a, I would simply say... Say that again, brother. Yes. I would take that but one again, step we're further. we're back to the Old Testament as the foundation. But here, here's a further point. Uh, I would say, did the disciples understand that text, at least at the end when Jesus was ready to ascend? Did they understand that text, that he had brought redemption, that his people should be? Did they understand that? I think they understood that on the day of Pentecost. Okay. Oh, on the day of Pentecost. So the, but anyway, at the end, I would say, at the, the books, what is this when they keep, however, asking, but when will be the restoration of these things? When will these things come to pass? What are they talking about? It seems to me as they remember Jesus' words to John the Baptist concerning the Spirit coming, baptizing, Christ baptizing them with the Spirit. But he when was the, when, when okay. they remembered that particular text, they, they said to Jesus, will you at this time re restore the kingdom to Israel? I don't, think, I don't think they were saying, will you right now do that? I think they were saying, when, when you baptize us with the Holy Spirit, as you told John, uh, concerning right. John the Baptist, you're going to do, will you, will you then? And Jesus said, you, you don't need to know that yet, but you shall receive power. I think when, you, when they received power, that is when the Holy Spirit was poured out, I think that was fulfilled 
This is okay. that okay. which was spoken of by Joel the prophet. And, and of course then for the purpose of clarity, I would say no, you've got Jews asking their Jewish Messiah about their coming, about their coming kingdom. And they're wondering when. And he's simply saying it's not for you to know. But, but, but there, it's coming. Yeah, but, but, but were, and you want to, you were saying that that would be uh, realized in the, in the baptism of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Yes, because they were not, say. they were not going to be Jews looking for an earthly kingdom. But they sure they, were, though. But, but when they understood, the text sure indicates but, they were. But when they understood, and, and I would say you're assuming that they were wrong. I'm assuming they were right. They had it. They just no, didn't. They no, didn't have I'm, the timing. I'm assuming. I'm assuming that they were right. But they were right. In asking the question, will you, in conjunction with the pouring out of the Spirit, restore the kingdom to Israel? He doesn't really answer that question, but he says, it's not I, given yeah. to you to know that right now, but. Yeah, I don't, so I'm not assuming they were wrong. Yeah. I think they were absolutely right in what they were expecting. They were expecting the, the, the kingdom to begin when the Spirit of God was poured out. Because that's what they had been taught, not only by the Lord Jesus, but by the Old Testament prophecies. I, I guess I would disagree. I think in the text that their, ish, their mind is not at all on the spirit baptism. It's on the kingdom, and he introduces the spirit baptism. But you wait. You Forget that. You won't know that. But now you wait, and in the few days this is going to happen. Okay. Well, I could be wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm just... I'm but just I, what I was getting at is, they were, would we all agree, they were looking for an earthly kingdom. Right. And then my point would be, they weren't wrong in looking for it. And he never said they were wrong. He said, you can't know that now. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure I have the ability to get into their minds at that point and say they were looking for this or looking for that. I don't know. Well, I, I think, think they said they point. were looking what? for that. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's not getting in their minds. Well, I, I, I repeat I what I said in Acts 2 the other day, that, that one of the things that keep me from, from forever being an all-meal is that passage. That, that here you have disciples uh, after yeah, the resurrection right. of Christ and he has explained the scriptures to And them. these are people who walked with him for three years. He taught them for, for 40 days. And you would have to assume that they never heard a single word he said for, for them to be asking a stupid question. And if, if, if you were a dispensation, it would be the most logical question in the world. And there's some indication that it was a logical question to them. I think that's a valid... Their hearts point. were filled with hope. But to, to say that they were necessarily right I don't think we're going to go there any more than, than the Amiel can say well they were stupid because he did not rebuke them nor did he confirm it but certainly in that passage you can say the apostles expected an earthly literal kingdom and I would add this one thing and I'm out of here okay, okay. that they expected an earthly kingdom just before he ascended and after he had strangely warmed their hearts explaining himself through all of the Old Testament. Okay, but so that there's a basis. But let, let me, but let me speak to that point before Phil comes back. Uh, there are some other people gathering in the line. I see. Maybe we'll run out of time before they get here. I don't know. Um, in in John chapter 16, the Lord Jesus prophesies the coming of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and He says in that passage, verse 12, "I have many things yet to say to you, but you cannot bear them now." Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. So it, it seems to me that it was when the spirit came that they, they began to understand for the first time that this is that which was spoken of by Joel the prophet. We are not to look for something future. This is that. 
Now, there is a future aspect to that. There's a future aspect to that, but this is that. The time of fulfillment has begun. So that's, um, go ahead, Phil. No, I'd like to muddy the waters, <coughs> if Brother? I can. Uh, the Brother John has been pushing for this prom land promise in the New Testament. I'm going to go to uh, Isaiah chapter 20. I want to go to the Old Testament and ask a question. Uh, Isaiah chapter 19, verse 18, where it says, In that day shall five cities in the land of Egypt speak the language of Canaan and swear to the Lord of hosts. One shall be called the city of destruction. In that day there shall be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar at the border thereof to the Lord. I'd like to know when this happened. Furthermore, uh, verse 23, In that day there shall be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrian shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptian into Assyria, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. In that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt, and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. I want to know who Egypt is. I want to know who Assyria is. Brother John? No, no, don't get down. The, the first thing you said was, John asked for a land promise in the New Testament. Give us one. That was what you said. I know that's what I said. Well, I, what I, I said, I want Isaiah you, uh, is, I want... Isaiah is not in the New Testament. Oh, John. <laughs> it isn't. Oh, we have fresh light. Uh, uh, yesterday, when our brother Fred was ministering on uh, Israel out of uh, Romans 11, the promise or the subject of the nations that God is dealing with came up, and nobody uh, took it up. Our brother David Morris, where is he? Oh, you're still back there. Brother David brought it up. But must you have a land promise in the New Testament to make the Old Testament valid? No. Oh. That's, my, my, that's my real question. Uh, when did Egypt become something other than Egypt? Assyria become something other than Assyria? That's, that's the real issue to me. And in seeing a future for ethnic Israel. Are you going to answer that one, John? What? Am I going to answer what? No. In the same sense, when you take, you're, you're going to take something out of Isaiah, <laughs> you can say, Who's Egypt? We used the passage this morning out of Ezekiel, my servant David. I would like to know who David is. 
Because David isn't David, David is Jesus. Is that right? And the prophet in the Old Testament now becomes John the Baptist. All I'm saying is not to validate the Old Testament, but when you have a change of covenants, and there is a covenant that established a nation at Mount Sinai, and on the grounds of that covenant promised them, if you obey my covenant, then you'll become a holy nation. Then you'll become a peculiar people. The nation of Israel never kept that covenant and forfeited every one of those blessings. And 1 Peter tells us that we inherit every one of those blessings mm -hmm. because we are the ones who are the benefits of the new covenant. And so if we have a covenant that nation. establishes a nation and establishes a priesthood, and establishes a sacrificial system, and establishes a day as a sign of that covenant. If that covenant is finished, then everything that covenant brought into being is finished. If we go back to the Abrahamic covenant and want to say, now wait a minute, we go back there. Galatians chapter 3 tells us that the promise to Abraham had nothing to do with Jews. It had nothing to do with the children of believers. It had to do with one seed. His name is Jesus Christ. And every person who is in Christ is a beneficiary of the Abrahamic covenant. And nobody who isn't in Christ is not a beneficiary of that new covenant. Now that's the overall... That's what we're talking about. Amen. You can't agree with me. However, you guys talk about agreeing with us, and, and I can live with that. You're sleeping in a bed that has lumps in it, man. I don't know how you can sleep in it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Our brother John uh, was in Luke chapter 1 a little while ago. Uh, I was wondering if he what he does with verses 6 and 7 concerning Zacharias and, and uh, Elizabeth. The Gospel by Luke. Where it says in verse 6, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And it says, uh, we, here are two people under the old covenant mm -hmm. who were walking blamelessly therein. So? They were keeping the covenant. Yeah. But but they were justified people under the Abrahamic promise. Come here. Go ahead. We're going to have to finish here. Go ahead. All right. Stand up so they can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get that. You got a box. <laughs> I didn't mean that way. <laughs> Thanks. 
He meant stand up to the mic. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Wanted to give him a reference to his uh, land promise in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12, where we read that uh, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, and to the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven to God. I say, you look for a type, anti-type, you see a type in Jerusalem, the physical city, you see an anti-type in heavenly Jerusalem, where we now dwell, our mediator, our priest, our king mm -hmm. in heaven. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to touch briefly on Romans 11, just for a minute, I didn't hear this brought up, and I missed yesterday, so I apologize if I rehash this, but uh, I think we're doing disservice with Romans 9 through 11, and I think we're, your idea of presuppositions works very well in this, where we approach and where you look for Israel, you see Israel, and automatic what flies up in your head is physical Israel. We don't let Paul define who Israel is. Mm -hmm. I think Romans 9 through 11 depends completely on Romans 8, which you spoke on earlier today, was that his purpose was to show that all his promises can be fulfilled. 9 through 11 is dependent upon that. He begins in chapter 9 by saying that there are those of Israel who are of the flesh, who have had physical outward promises, but not the inward ones. Then he goes into the elect remnant of Israel, in chapter 10, he defines righteousness by faith and righteousness by the law, two groups. And then when you get to 11, after stating the fact that the righteousness by the law, those of the righteousness by the law have been cast off, he goes into the answer to the question, well, has Israel been cast off? He says, no. Spiritual Israel has received the promises that were given to them, not to a physical nation. And then he turns in the whole exegesis here, depends upon the question that he begins this section with in chapter 11, verse 11, that says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Who's he referring to? The uh, antecedent there doesn't refer back to the elect, but if you look back in verse 7, he lists two groups, the elect and the blinded. The blinded ones are national Israel who had not received the, the true spiritual promises. So he's referring back to the, those who were blinded and cast off, and now he wants to show his readers this fact, that there is still hope for national Israel who have been cast off, who have been severed from the tree, that there is still restoration available for them today through grace. Period. There is no eschatological significance to Romans chapter 11 whatsoever. Fullness, fullness speaks completely to a bringing in, an acceptance towards salvation, not a numerical connotation. And when he speaks to the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, the Greek there is specific, it speaks to an earthly beginning of a specific program. And we know what that is. That's grace. And he returns right in the end of Romans 11 there and goes back to his argument that Perhaps some of national Israel who have been cast off can be provoked to emulation or jealousy to enter into salvation, the same salvation that we have. So that's all. One of the questions that we keep coming up with is the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, and who is Israel? And uh, I don't think it was brought up in the discussion, but I think it should be at least. In Hebrews chapter 8, uh, I, I think we should say, what is the new covenant that is spoken of in Hebrews chapter 8? With whom is this covenant made? Is it in force now? Uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 9. And this is one of the passages I think that Randy uh, mentioned in the fulfillment of the promise to Jeremiah. Does this necessitate that the church of which we are part, is the house of Israel in this passage. Would any of you people who would be dispensationally, would you say that? You come up here and give us an exposition of Hebrews 8, 7 through 9. 
No, no. What, 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 here, what, this is, here's an Old Testament prophecy. Jeremiah 31. I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And you say, who is the house of Israel? In Hebrews chapter 8, is the writer saying specifically, categorically, that the house of Israel, which is the group with whom this covenant is made in fulfillment of the promise in Jeremiah 31, that that house of Israel is the church of Jesus Christ. And if, as you said this morning, that covenant was cut at the cross, it was made known when our Lord picked up the cup and said, this cup is the New Testament, the New Covenant. Is that new covenant the same covenant as Hebrews 8? Or is there one new covenant? Was that new covenant made in the blood of Christ? Is that the new covenant in Hebrews 8? And is the house of Israel with whom it is made us? Is it brought together, as he was talking about this morning? That it cannot possibly mean national Israel in the future. It's spiritualized. It cannot possibly. It is spiritual. That the writer of Hebrews spiritualizes the, the word Israel categorically. Am I wrong? You're right. Hmm? If I say you're right, you're right. No, not in this passage in Hebrews. In Hebrews, let, let's, let me read it Bruce out loud. But now he hath obtained a more excellent ministry. That's our Lord. And he has obtained a more excellent ministry than Aaron. That's the comparison between the two. Mm -hmm. And the three comparisons in verse 8. He has a more excellent ministry. Why? Because he's the mediator of a better covenant. The old covenant was do and live. If you obey, then you will be a holy nation. Then you'll be a peculiar people, if, mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. if. He has obtained a more excellent ministry by how much more so he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. And the Old Testament promise was based if, then, if, then. All right. If that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the land when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Is that covenant made with the church? Can you look at Hebrews 10, 16? In, in this passage, in this passage, regardless of what Romans 11 says, is the house of Israel spiritualized to mean the church? Look at Hebrews 10, 16. Notice how Judah and Israel is dropped. In, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Quoting from the same portion in Jeremiah. This is the covenant I'll make with them after with those. Who? Make with who? We'll make with, uh, with, them. with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. Will I write them in their sins and their iniquities? Will I remember no more? 
Now therefore where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Having brethren, boldness therefore brethren to enter. The whole it's concept done. is of the covenant that God made it's with done. the nation of Israel and kept that covenant in the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place where there was no access to God. And the promise and the whole of Hebrews is of the time that will come when there will be a new covenant with the house of Israel that will give entrance into the presence of God. And that new covenant has to be made with the church, but it also has to be made with the house of Israel, according to Romans chapter 8 and Romans chapter 10. So Israel is spiritualized to mean church. It isn't? Huh? Come on up and show us what you mean that it isn't. That's why traditional covenant, co uh, traditional dispensationalists don't believe that the covenant is activated in the church because it must apply to national Israel. That's a literal hermeneutic and it's consistent. Yeah, some of them do, of course. Some of them do say that it is, its promises are given to the church, but in doing that they have to be inconsistent with, with what they state as their assumption.